Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. paleontologist I'm Dinosaur George welcome to podcast number 51 now you all know I've been putting out these podcasts really really quickly that's because I've had a lot of time off during the month of December and a little time off in November so I want to record as many podcasts as I can while I have time, because my schedule's going to get crazy busy in July. I mean, in July, in January, February, March, and April. So I want to put out as many as I can. I know you can't listen to them all as quickly as they're coming out, but I just want to have plenty for you to listen to once the holidays are over and uh, you're back listening to the podcast. So uh, this is podcast number 51. And by the way, by the way, you know, I, I told you in my last podcast that somebody asked if we would please put the podcast number in the title so it's easier to know which ones you've listened to. It's easier to remember the numbers, right? And at the time, I said we couldn't do that because it has an effect on how the search engines find us. Well, we did a lot more research. And we talked to the actual hosting sites themselves. And they said, yes, it's true that if you put your number, your podcast number in the title, that will affect people's ability to find your podcast. But it doesn't just look at the first couple of words or letters or numbers. It looks at the entire title. So if somebody searches Tyrannosaurus, they're going to find your Tyrannosaurus episode, even if it has a number in front of it. So we went back and we numbered each one of our podcasts. We gave each one a number, one through, now this is 51. And hopefully that will help. So for the person who sent the suggestion, I don't remember who you are, but I want to say thank you for sending that suggestion Because our first research was no, and when we first set this podcast up, we said, no, we don't want to put the number in there because of that. But either that has changed or we misunderstood. But whatever the case, now when you look at our podcasts, you'll see that they are now numbered. And I hope that makes it easier for everybody. All right. Very, very exciting news. In my last podcast, I said my goal before December is over, my goal was to get 200,000 downloads. Guess where we are as of today? 198,988 downloads. We are so close to hitting our goal of 200,000 downloads. So if you have friends or family or anybody that you can share our podcast with, do it. And hopefully they'll listen to a podcast and we'll get that famous 200,000 downloads and some other exciting news. 
We are now listened to in 119 countries. We've just added another country since the last podcast. And we are now heard in 7,066 cities throughout the world. I'm so excited about these numbers, and it's because of you. It's because of all of you. You're the ones telling people. You're the ones sharing the info. So I just want to thank you all for doing that because it really, really helps us a bunch. And speaking about all around the world, last Saturday, while I was in my store and my museum in San Antonio, Texas, at Trader's Village, I met the nicest man. And he and I began to talk, and guess what? His grandson, Sam, from North Carolina, loves the podcast. And so I want to give a special shout-out to Sam in North Carolina. I met your grandfather at my store. He told me you were a fan. He's such a nice man, and I just want to say hello to you and the rest of your family. And I told your grandpa I was going to give you a special shout-out, and I did. So Sam in North Carolina, thank you, buddy, for being a listener. And uh, thank your grandpa for coming into my store. I'm not going to tell you what he bought. But I just want to tell him thank you for being so kind and coming into our store. For any of you that are either visiting San Antonio or will be visiting San Antonio or live in the San Antonio area, I try to be out at my... um, at my store and museum at Trader's Village every weekend, but some weekends I can't. So if you are planning a visit, the best thing to do, if you are a Patreon member, then the best thing to do is send me a message through Patreon. If you're a Patreon member, if you're not a member of the Patreon club, you don't have to be a member of that club to contact me. Then the best thing to do is to make sure to join us on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. There, you can send me a message and say, hey, we're going to be at your museum on this date. Are you going to be there? And that way, I will know whether I'm there or not. I'd hate for you to come all the way out there and then be disappointed because we might be closed or I may not be there. So please always check first. Speaking of San Antonio in the area, on December 18th, That's in a couple of days. On December 18th, 2021, I will be doing a live presentation at the Bandera Museum of Natural History. That is in Bandera, Texas. That's kind of on the outskirts of San Antonio. It's open to everyone. You have to pay the admission to come into the museum, but it's a great museum. But I will be there at one o'clock. On Saturday, December 18th, 2021, I will be there for about an hour. So for anybody that would like to come out, and by the way, if you do come out and you listen to this podcast, please come up and introduce yourself. Don't be shy. Come up and give me your name and tell me that you listen to the podcast. In fact, I'll make sure to write your name down and give you a shout out on the next podcast. So. Um, It's the Bandera Museum of Natural History, and you can actually go to their website. It's BanderaHM.org. It's spelled B-A-N-D-E-R-A-N-H-M. 
BanderaNaturalHistoryMuseum.org. And there's information on how to get out there and come see me. So I hope to see you. And one last thing. If you want to come see me at Trader's Village before Christmas, the only day I will be there before Christmas will be Sunday, December 19th. I will be there all day, Sunday, December 19th at Trader's Village. So if you'd like to come say hello. Now, it's not the only time I'll ever be there. That's just the only time I'll be there before Christmas. So, great news. 198,988 downloads. We don't have much more to go to hit the 200,000 download mark. And now 119 countries and in 7,066 cities. I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled with that. So how about we go straight in to our feature creature? It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. Today's feature creature is a great example of how science changes as new information is discovered. As new fossils are found, science changes. Paleontologists change their minds. Today's feature creature is a mystery. There are, there's one group of people who believe it's a certain kind of animal. There's another group that believe it's something different. And each group is looking at the different fossil information, hopefully coming to an ultimate conclusion. Now, before I talk about Nanotyrannus, let me say this. To my knowledge, the majority of paleontologists believe that Nanotyrannus does not exist. They believe that the fossils that have been identified as Nanotyrannus are actually just young Tyrannosaurus rexes. So before I begin to tell you about Nanotyrannus, I want you all to know that this is a dinosaur where not everybody agrees what it is. I'm not going to try to convince you one way or the other, but I'm going to treat Nanotyrannus as its own species, at least when I talk about the size and when it lived and where it lived. But after that, we'll go back and, and you can decide. You can decide, do I think Nanotyrannus is actually a different kind of dinosaur? Or do I think Nanotyrannus is nothing more than a young Tyrannosaurus rex? And if it is, then the name Nanotyrannus is invalid. It shouldn't exist. So for right now, let me tell you about the dinosaur that some people believe is its own kind of dinosaur. Its name is Nanotyrannus. In English, that means pygmy or tiny tyrant. Remember, Tyrannosaurus rex. Tyrannosaurus rex means tyrant lizard king. Nanotyrannus means tiny tyrant 
or tiny or pygmy tyrant. Pygmy is another word used to describe something that's small. The estimated size of Nano Tyrannus is 5.2 meters long. That's 17 feet long. That's how big some scientists believe this animal grows. Way smaller than Tyrannosaurus rex. The estimated weight is between 907 and 1360 kilograms, or that's 2,000 to 3,000 pounds. It's a pretty heavy animal. It's been discovered in Montana. It lived in the late Cretaceous period, about 60 to maybe 66 million years, somewhere around there. It is a biped. It walks on two legs and it is a carnivore. It was first discovered in 1942 in Montana. And at that time, the the paleontologists thought it was a juvenile Gorgosaurus. So they first thought it was a dinosaur called Gorgosaurus. They thought it was a young Gorgosaurus. But in 1988, paleontologists revisited that skeleton or that, that skull. And then they said, no, this is not a Gorgosaurus. This is not a baby anything. This is a grown-up, different species. And the name they gave it was Nanotyrannus. Now, why did they think it was an adult? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, it had more teeth in its mouth than Tyrannosaurus rex. It had more teeth sockets, meaning there was more teeth than a T-Rex. Now, that's a little confusing because not every T-Rex has the exact same number of teeth. That's the confusing part here. But on average, this dinosaur they called Nanotyrannus had more teeth. So that immediately made them say, look, this is a different kind of dinosaur. And its teeth were very different from those of Tyrannosaurus rex. So they said it's got more teeth. It, it's not a baby. And it's got different kind of teeth. It should be its own species. Well, again, other paleontologists looking at the same evidence said, well, when it's little, maybe its teeth were a little different, but as it grew, its teeth became more like modern T-Rex. There's not a lot of animals that their teeth change their shape, but in the case of Tyrannosaurus, that could very well be the case. There's another thing that, that helped make it look like it might be its own species, and that is something called CT scanning. CT scanning is used in hospitals to look through our skin and into our bones and helps doctors figure out. It's like a really strong x-ray. Well, my good friend, Professor Larry Whitmer, did a CT scan, and his findings were the brain shape is different than Tyrannosaurus rex. And it's located in a different spot in the skull, and it's at a different angle. So if it has a different brain, if the brain is located not in the exact same spot or position, how could it be a baby T-Rex? How could the skull, as it grows, why would the brain change shapes and location and position. No animal does that today. A baby bird's brain looks like an adult bird's brain. A baby snake's brain looks like an adult snake's brain. A baby human's brain looks like an adult human's brain. So 
why would the shape change? But there was one catch to that. If I understand correctly, the brain case on the one being used wasn't complete. So it might have been deformed a little bit. But I remember speaking to Dr. Whitmer, and he felt at that time, the best evidence he had available, he said this clearly suggests that this is a different species. So the brain was different. And the skull is a little different. Now, see, since its discovery back in 1942, actually, since it, it got the name Nanotyrannus in 1988 or was reclassified, since 1988, there have been a couple of specimens of what look absolutely to be baby T Rex skulls. And these babies look just like adult T Rexes with the same kind of teeth and the same kind of skull. And so the question is, if Nanotyrannus is a young T-Rex, and if they're finding baby T-Rex skulls that look different, then that would seem to me to be a pretty good indication. But once again, here's the catch with that. When a private group or a private person finds a dinosaur, paleontologists most of the time will not pay any attention to it. They don't look at it. They don't write a paper on it. They don't want to talk about it at all. Unless that skeleton or fossil is either donated or sold to a museum, an accredited museum, or a university. And I think that's terrible. I think that's ridiculous. I don't think that's good for science at all. Why wouldn't science want to see every piece of evidence? Well, there's a couple of reasons why they don't. Number one, if it's not taken out of the ground and prepared properly, then some of the science, some of the scientific evidence is lost, destroyed, or altered. And the other reason why is because people that dig up bones will sell them. And museums sometimes can't raise the same amount of money as a private person would. So let's say a very wealthy person wants to buy that dinosaur, that baby T-Rex, and a museum can't raise the same money. Well, the guy that sells it, or the person that sells it, is probably going to sell it to whoever has the most money. And scientists and paleontology don't like that because then if it goes to a private person, that private person may not share it with everybody. So we kind of have this fight going on, and I think it's ridiculous. In my opinion, I think every piece of evidence is important to the science. It should all be looked at. But I understand why so many paleontologists disagree with that. Because it can be misleading, and, it, and the evidence can be destroyed. And so if they can't afford to buy it, or if the owner isn't willing to give it to them, they don't want to acknowledge it exists. Well, that's the problem with these juvenile tyrannosauruses that I've read about and seen. So scientists won't, ident won't recognize them because they say, nope, they're in private hands and we want them to be in a museum or given to us or sold to us for what we can afford to pay. But until that happens, what leaves us with, okay, is Nanotyrannus really a juvenile T-Rex? But if you're not willing to look at the juvenile T-Rex bones, how do you know? 
So right now, it's kind of up in the air to my knowledge. Now, maybe something's being done that I'm unaware of. I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to misspeak. Maybe they have looked at it. Maybe they said, yep, we looked at it. It is just like this one they call nanotyrannus. That's possible. That could be very, excuse me, while I cough. (coughs) I've got such bad allergies. So it's a mystery and it's a little confusing, but there may be proof on the horizon. We may be able to settle this once and for all. They found this incredible, a private collector found this incredible fossil of two skeletons, one of a carnivore and one of a triceratops found together in what looks like a fight. They died together. It's called the dueling dinosaurs. And it's awesome. And if I understand correctly, the scientists that have looked at it have said, that's a nanotyrannus. That's totally different than Tyrannosaurus rex. Its arms are different. Its skull is different. Its vertebrae are different. That is a nanotyrannus. But other paleontologists are saying, well, until it's in a proper museum, we're not going to weigh in on it. Well, it looks like it's now going to go to a museum. And if it does, this might solve the, the question. Could it be that Nanotyrannus will now be identified as a legitimate species? Or are they going to look at it and say, nope, this is a baby Tyrannosaurus rex or a juvenile. I don't want to say baby. It's a young one. Whatever turns out to be, it's going to be exciting no matter what. Because now we're going to have one more piece of evidence to learn about the king of the dinosaurs. Or we're going to say there was a young or a smaller version living with Tyrannosaurus Rex that probably fought with it. It's exciting. And if I ever get any update on it, I will absolutely share it with you. But for right now, Nanotyrannus is not considered a legitimate species. As of today, so. If you look up Nanotyrannus, you might not see anything on it. You might see Tyrannosaurus Rex. And that's because right now the the people in charge of the legitimate naming of dinosaurs have decided that Nanotyrannus is not valid. It's not a real animal. It's just something that they misnamed. But keep in mind, remember when they first found it, scientists thought it was Gorgosaurus. So mistakes can happen. It doesn't mean paleontologists are always right, but it doesn't mean they're always wrong. It just means that as more information becomes available, then they may change their mind. So stay tuned to Nanotyrannus. It could be that it is not a legitimate species, or it could be it's going to be a legitimate species. How cool is that? All right, with Christmas holidays coming up, if you would like to become a Patreon member, that would be a great Christmas gift to receive. On Patreon, we're doing a lot of really cool stuff, great lessons. And the coolest thing about becoming a Patreon member is all of the past lessons we've done are recorded and you're able to watch them. And there's something like, I think there's like 30 or 40 or 50 lessons that you can watch. So you can go back and watch all of the ones in the past and join us live for all the future ones. 
So if you'd like to become a Patreon member, and I hope you do, you can go to dinosaurgeorge.com and you will see a link to the Patreon club there. Or if you want to go to the Dinosaur George Kids uh, Facebook group, we have all kinds of links uh, there that will take you to that site. Or finally, if you would like to just go straight to Patreon, then you'll find that at patreon.com backslash Dinosaur George. Dinosaur George is one word. Patreon.com backslash Dinosaur George. Speaking of um, the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, how about we jump over there and we take a look at some of the comments and things that people have left us. All right, let's go. Uh, Let's say this is uh, Oliver from Connecticut, who's five years old, sent a beautiful picture, said, hello, DG. Over the past few days, your podcast has become a new and rapid hit at our house. I'm so glad to hear that, you guys. Thank you. Oliver, age five, from Connecticut, drew this picture of you in the you in the Indominus Rex pin. Don't worry, though. Some army men are there to help. Well, thank you for sending in the army. I love, I love this picture, Oliver. It's really great. And thank you for sending in the army to protect me from being eaten. Usually I don't end up in the good spot. I'm always eaten by you rotten kids. But this one, you sent in the army. Thank you, Oliver. That's very, very kind of you, my friend. All right. Hey, this is kind of cool. All right. This, this is so cool. This came from the Kelly family. Um, let, me, let me play this for you guys. Hang on a second. Hold on. This is, this is very cool. Let's see if I can get this to play. This, uh, he's holding up a little Pikachu, by the way. All right. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I must have you tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, you guys, the Kelly family, thank you guys so much for doing that. I got a happy birthday song. My birthday is December 18th. Uh, I got a birthday song sung by Pikachu, who shocked me, by the way. What a, you guys are the best. Thank you so much for doing that. What a kind thing to do. You guys are absolutely great. And speaking of another video sent in, this is so cool. This is a Who Would Win Sent in from Patreon Club member George Allosaurus. He's a T-Rex member, and I'm so glad you joined. Let's see what this is going to be. Let's see. Oh, hang on. My volume was turned off. There we go. So, everybody's on your team except the Tyrannosaurus Boa, and everybody is trying to attack the Tyrannosaurus Boa, and... These raptors are in the gate down here. Oh, man, this is so cool. Oh, George Allosaurus, this is so cool. Send in a who would win. Dinosaur George with 20,000 stink bombs, plus all these dinosaurs, plus 20,000 more stink bombs versus Titanoboa. Happy birthday, Dinosaur George. I hope you have a good birthday. We love you. We are excited because we joined the T-Rex Club. 
Sincerely, George Allosaurus. Well, I love you guys, too. And thank you so much for taking time to wish me a happy birthday. And now let's talk about this battle. Look, my stink bombs are so epic. If I had one stink bomb, I would be the winner. But since you gave me 20,000 plus all these. Now, wait a minute, though. Your Titanoboa is ginormous. It might take 20,000 stink bombs to stink this guy out. Oh, you know what, though? Titanoboa tastes with his tongue. Oh, gross. He's going to taste my stink bomb in his mouth. That's it. I win. I'm going to totally stink him out. Thank you so much, Beasley's, for sending this to me. Thank you, George, for recording it. I see all your other pictures. I love it. And thank you for the happy birthday greeting. That is so nice. So nice. Now, Rain in age six says, hi, DG. My class baked cookies, and I made one in the shape of a dinosuchus. Also, I'm writing a book about the Ice Age and prehistoric mammals. Well, Rain and I am so proud of you, and I'm glad to hear you baked cookies and you made yours into a dinosuchus. Did you eat it? Did you bite its head off first? When I was little and my mom used to make me cookies, we had animal cookies, and one was a dinosaur. And the first thing I would do is roar and bite its head off. And then I would roar and stomp my feet. And I'd be like, I am the king of the dinosaurs. And my mom would look at me and say, George, you're 30 years old. Stop acting like that. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It's when I was a little kid. Raynan, thank you so much for sending that. Mom, thank you for sending that in. Uh, that's so kind of you to post that. And that sounds so crazy cool. And then this is really kind of neat because I just did a podcast on Overraptor and the Chase family came up with another name. I said, maybe we should give Overraptor a different name. If you haven't listened to the Overraptor podcast, I think that's podcast number 50. I hope you go and listen to it because this will make more sense. So they came up with a name and they named it Bonastelio Janito. And in English, that means good lizard father what a great name bonastelio janito that is brilliant and so that's a great that's a absolute great name i love that that's such a good thank you so much for sending that in chase family thank you guys so much for doing that that is so crazy cool and here's one more this says, Dear Dinosaur George, in preparation of your birthday, Raidenatops, Raidenatops, what a great name, prepared a special presentation called The Revenge Scene. Do you remember all the carnivore dinosaurs with which you were put in a fight? Yeah, I remember, you stinking kid. Yeah, I totally remember that, Raidenatops. Yeah, you put me against every one of your dinosaurs. How could I forget that, you little stinker? Well... Dinosaur George defeated them all by blowing up a volcano. Oh, you're right. I forgot about that. I won. I won by exploding a dinosaur volcano in this picture. We wish you an amazing birthday, health, love, and happiness. Thank you so much for amazing work you do for all of us. Well, thank you guys so much for being so kind and courteous and posting that picture. And I love that every dinosaur in that picture is laying on its side. And I won. I won the grand battle of all battles. How cool is that? That is just the coolest thing 
I've ever seen. All right, if you would like to join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, it's totally free. There is no cost to do that. You don't have to become a Patreon member, but if you do become a Patreon member, I'll play you a little commercial to remind you what to do about it. But on Dinosaur George Kids on Facebook, you can join that totally free. All right, let me take a break and I'll come back and we'll do some Ask Dinosaur George stuff. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. All right, let's answer some questions, shall we? Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, let's answer some of these questions. This first one says, hi, I'm Sawyer and I'm seven. Why is Carnotaurus not named Carnosaurus with an S? Thanks, El Stinko slash DG. Well, okay, first of all, Sawyer, I'm not El Stinko. No one knows who El Stinko is. But I'll tell you this. I am, I mean, he is the greatest superhero that ever lived. Maybe one day we'll all find out who El Stinko is. Maybe we'll learn the identity of that great superhero. But until that time, stop calling me El Stinko because that's not me. All right. Sawyer, this is an interesting question, Sawyer. Carnotaurus in English means meat-eating bull because of the way it's spelled. If we changed it to Carnosaurus, then it would just be meat lizard. It sounds crazy, but that's why. It would be called meat lizard if you changed it to an S. So a T makes it Carnotaurus, which means meat-eating bull, instead of Carnosaurus, which would mean meat-eating or meat lizard. That's cool. Okay, that's cool. So that's why. That's a great question. El Stinko. Stinking little kid. Okay, Ricardo, can you please figure out how the baby Tyrannosaurus gets to sing happy birthday? Well, my friend Ricardo, here's what happens. When I find out it's somebody's birthday, I invite either a little velociraptor or a baby T-Rex to sing happy birthday. What happens is that little T-Rex always, always sings naughty lyrics. He's evil. All he ever wants to do is eat everybody. So that's why, or that's how it happens. If I find out somebody's having a birthday, then I, sometimes I sing happy birthday to everybody in one month. So um, if you have a birthday coming up and you want to let me know about it, I will try my best to get the baby T-Rex to sing happy birthday. But please be aware, it usually wants to eat the birthday child. All right. Uh, Jack Raptor says, I listen to your podcast every day if possible. I pause the Styracosaurus episode just to send this appreciation note. What, a, what an incredibly nice thing to say, Jack Raptor. 
He says, currently, my favorite member of the dinosaur family are Velociraptor because of their intellect, pack hunting, and their raptors. I'm leaning towards Allosaurus, though. So here's the question. Do you think Allosaurus is a scavenger or a hunter? Well, first of all, Jack Raptor, thank you for being a Patreon Club member. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And thank you for being so courteous to say that you actually paused the episode just to send me this note. <coughs> so you got me all choked up. That's very kind of you. So Allosaurus. When a dinosaur is big as Allosaurus, when you're that big, you can't simply survive by hoping to find enough things that have died within walking distance of where you are. If you're a big predator, you can't just walk all over the place because you burn all your energy, your calories, or you burn up all your food. So it's better to have a smaller territory where you wait for plant eaters to come to you and then you attack them and you kill them. And that's how you survive. Now, if something dies in your area, you're going to definitely eat it. So it would be a scavenger, but number one, I believe it's a predator. First, it's a predator. And second, it would be a scavenger. You know, there's a third, it might be a thief. It might show up to where something else has made a kill and it chases it away and steals the food. That's a good way to get food without getting hurt. So it might look around and it might see a smaller Allosaurus that made a kill or maybe a Ceratosaurus or a smaller Torvosaurus, and it's going to rush in and chase it away and steal its food. So it probably would have done all of those things. All right, Milo would like to suggest a podcast episode about Archelon. Do you think you've done that one? Uh, I don't think you've done that one. You're right, Milo. I haven't done Archelon, and that's a good suggestion. I'm trying to, to, to spread it around a little bit and trying to do mammals, trying to do terror birds, trying to do reptiles, and Archelon would be a very good one to do. I will definitely try to do that. That's a great suggestion. All right, Susie Soros says, hi, Dinosaur George. It's Susie Soros. Hey, Susie Soros. Thank you for answering our question. It's so exciting when you hear them on the podcast. Well, guess what? You're going to hear another one on the podcast. What do you think of that, Missy? <laughs> and you're welcome that I answered it. Susie said, I'd like to know what did the little dinosaurs do when dinosaurs like Argentinosaurus walked around because it must have been like earthquakes. Well, here's, I like this question a lot, Susie Source. Here's what I believe. <clears throat> I believe that little meat eaters made it a point to travel around with Argentinosaurus, not to feed on it. Argentinosaurus is too gigantic. But to your question, when Argentinosaurus is walking, Animals can feel the vibrations in the ground. They're either going to run underground and hope that it doesn't crush the nest or the den. They're going to scurry up a tree and hope they don't get stepped on. Or they're going to take off running and run for cover. That's why I think little meat eaters would be walking in front or underneath the Argentinosaurus and dinosaurs like that. Because they're looking for the meal to come running out of their hiding space and they can chase, take, take off after and catch it. So Argentinosaurus is oblivious to what's in front of it. It's just walking to go get something to eat. It doesn't care what's under its foot. If you're there, you're going to be turned into a pancake But little carnivores 
are going to walk ahead to take advantage of it. They want to be around. See, if you're really tiny, Argentinosaurus won't care. Now, big carnivores aren't going to do that because Argentinosaurus isn't going to stand for that because big carnivores could take on their babies. But if you're a little carnivore and you're too tiny to even attack the babies, it's not going to pay attention to you. Now, when they're first hatched, the Argentinosaurus is going to keep all predators away, I think. But if it's adults, I think if you saw Argentinosaurus and you want to know something else, I think, I think some medium and smaller plant eaters would have followed Argentinosauruses. They would have followed them around and picked up the leaves that they dropped when they bit them off of the trees. If you're a small dinosaur, you can't reach up into those tall trees to get leaves. Argentinosaurus is going to grab mouthfuls and some of it's going to drop to the ground. I think plant eaters follow them around. And not only that, Argentinosaurus is not going to walk around smaller trees. It's just going to push them over. And if you're small and you're a plant eater, you want to be there when that tree comes crashing to the ground because you get leaves. Otherwise, you'd never be able to reach. You're not tall enough. So instead of all animals running away from Argentinosaurus or dinosaurs as big as Argentinosaurus, <coughs> again, I apologize for coughing. I think they would have followed them. Now, when they walked, the ground wouldn't be like an earthquake. I know it, you would think of that, right? Because they're so big. But they probably had pads on their feet like elephants. Elephants walk and actually don't make a thunderous noise when they walk. You can feel the vibrations, but they're not as big as you might think. So I believe animals actually followed or walked with or behind Argentinosaurus. It's a very good question. Okay, this is question is from T-Rex Wes, who has a very hard question. How did dinosaurs become alive and come to Earth? T-Rex Wes, that is the hardest question. That is a super hard question. The reason why I hesitate answering this question is because there's so many different opinions by so many different families. Some families uh, feel one way. Others feel another way. I don't want to, I don't want to be a confusion in a family. That's not my place. So let me say this. Some people believe, T-Rex Wes, that dinosaurs evolved, came from other animals that slowly changed and ultimately became the dinosaurs. Other families believe that a higher power, a god or God, made them. But I don't know the answer to which one is the correct answer. I have my opinion. But when we're dealing with subjects like this, and this is one of the few subjects I ever say this, I'm not going to give my opinion because so many of my listeners are young and it can be very confusing. And quite frankly, it's hard for parents who, uh, whose children are taught something different because the parent, the, the kids are more likely to listen to the other person and not so much the parent. Because they hear from their parents every day. So they listen to me and they think, well, he must be the expert. So he would know more than my mom or dad or my family. So in this particular case, T-Rex West, it's a brilliant question. It's an amazingly exciting question because no matter where they came from, it's exciting to think that they were here. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And I hope you understand 
I hope you understand that, that question, okay? But that's a brilliant question. And you're right, it was a hard question. Okay, this last one comes from Findorex, age five. Findorex says, uh, this is a great name, by the way. I really love your podcast. We listen whenever we're in the car. Well, that's very good. Now, you're five years old, Findorex. Are you driving? Are your parents in the back seat asleep while you're driving the car? Because if they are, you might want to wake them up and say, uh, mom, dad, I'm five years old. I'm not supposed to be driving. Okay, I have a feeling you probably are not the driver, but I'm just asking. Fendo Rex's mom and dad, I fully expect you to be driving. Thank you very much. Okay, so I'm glad you listened in the car, buddy. So Fendo Rex wants to know, what does Gallimimus eat? Well, Gallimimus is an omnivore, and it would have eaten things like plants, of course, leaves. Um... It might have eaten roots. It could use its hands to dig up plants and eat the roots. It could have eaten insects, eggs, uh, fish, meat, little mammals. It could have eaten spaghetti, waffles, Fritos corn chips, hot Cheetos, hot dogs, cotton candy, bologna. Sa- okay, now wait a minute. Where did all those come from? I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I don't know how those got on my mind. I should have stopped with eggs. Okay. In all honesty, insects, plants, fruit, eggs, little mammals, um, reptiles, snakes, lizards, anything it could have caught, I think it would have tried to eat. That's a super great question. All right. Now comes the time. So many of you have been waiting for. Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops? You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. All right. Here we go. Remember to send in a who would win. You have to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex member of the Patreon Club. Let's go. This one says, hi, I'm Grady, and I would like to know who would win. Brachiosaurus versus Argentinosaurus. Thank you and happy birthday, El Stinko. Well, thank you very much, Grady, for wishing us a happy. Okay, wait a minute. Why would you say happy birthday and then add El Stinko? Grady, are you under the impression that I am El Stinko? Because everybody knows I'm not. Nobody knows the identity of El Stinko. So stop calling me El Stinko. But thank you for the happy birthday wishes. That's very kind of you, Grady. Brachiosaurus versus Argentinosaurus. Man, you would probably hear this battle. From a mile away, you would probably hear these thunderous sounds of either them using their tail to slap the other one or maybe running in and charging each other and hitting each other. It would have sounded like thunder. You know, earlier, Susie Soros mentioned about when Argentinosaurus walked, it would have sounded like an earthquake. A battle between Argentinosaurus and Brachiosaurus, that would have been an earthquake. 
And if one of those dinosaurs get knocked down, I don't know if it's going to be able to get back up again. They, they're so big and they weigh so much. But I think Argentinosaurus is going to have the advantage. It definitely has the size advantage. But it also has an advantage by having a more flexible tail. Brachiosaurus's tail is re- relatively short and stiff. It's not as good of a weapon. Now, Brachiosaurus is better at standing up on its hind legs, so Brachiosaurus could raise up on its hind legs and probably come crashing down. It might be able to do that. Between the two, it would certainly be the one that would have a better opportunity to do it. So, But I think I'm going to give this one to Argentinosaurus simply because it's just so much bigger. All right, Heathoraptor, send me a who would win. Velociraptor versus Eoraptor. Whoa, speed and weapons. Heathoraptor is a great question. Velociraptor's bigger. Velociraptor has the killing claw. Eoraptor, even though it has the word raptor in its name, is not a member of the raptor family. I know that's confusing, but some dinosaurs have the word raptor in their name, but they're not part of the raptor group because they don't have the killing claw. Eoraptor is from the late Triassic. It's one of the first dinosaurs. Velociraptor is the late Cretaceous, one of the last dinosaurs. So Velociraptor's brain would have been bigger. It had better weapons. It was certainly faster. You combine all those things together. I believe Velociraptor is just going to be too fast and too dangerous for Eoraptor. But that's a great who would win Ethoraptor. I loved it. All right. Let's see. This is from Nathaniel Raptor who says who would win. Giganotosaurus versus Diplodocus versus T-Rex versus El Stinko with no stink bombs. Well, let's take a look and fit. What makes you think you're going to make me, I mean, you're going to make El Stinko fight without the stink bombs. How on earth am I, I mean, how is El Stinko going to win a fight with Giganotosaurus Diplodocus and T-Rex. You stinking kid. Why would you put that fight together with no stink bombs? How is anybody going to win without stink bombs? If you don't have stink bombs, you can't win. But that leaves Giganotosaurus, Diplodocus, and T-Rex. El Stinko is going to be El Chicken and run away from this fight. So that leaves Giganotosaurus and Diplodocus and T-Rex. Well. Right away, Giganotosaurus and T-Rex are two brutes, right? They're brutes. And one-on-one fight between those two is still going to be a tremendous battle. But I still believe T-Rex's bite force is going to be more powerful. And if it ever gets, if he ever grabs Giganotosaurus, then I think T-Rex is the winner of this particular fight. And that leaves T-Rex and Diplodocus now. Diplodocus has some has an incredible weapon with that tail. I think it would have been a weapon. And I think Tyrannosaurus Rex wouldn't understand what its weapon is. It's never seen Diplodocus. It doesn't know how to defend itself. And it might come in too close. And one crack of that tail across the skull of Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know, with a direct hit, it could maybe blind the Tyrannosaurus Rex. It might take away T-Rex's eyesight with one crack of that tail. Then the fight's over. 
I'm actually going to give this battle to Diplodocus. I'm going to give this battle to Diplodocus. Why? Because I don't think Giganotto can take on T-Rex. And in this particular case, I don't think T-Rex can win. And El Stinko, El, El Stinko with no stink bombs, well, that's just not fair. That means I don't, st- I mean, that means he doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> All right. This one comes from Joey. Uh, three Spinosauruses versus three T-Rexes versus five, Velocira- five Velociraptors fighting on a pier and a Mosasaurus shows up. Well, 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 well. Three Spinos and three Rexes. This is a tough one. Five Velociraptors, they're certainly fast. But there's no way they want to get around these other ones. Even though they have more numbers, they're making a run for it. They're going to stand on the edge of the pier and watch the fight. So that leaves three Spinos and three Rexes going at it. Tyrannosaurus Rex is made for fighting all the time. Spinosaurus appears to be better suited for catching fish, and fish don't fight back. Therefore, it doesn't have the same fighting skills because it doesn't need them. So in my opinion, three Rexes wipe out three Spinos. Now, the five Velociraptors who are sitting on the edge of the pier watching the fight don't realize that there is a Mosasaur lurking in the water beneath the pier. If the pier is close enough to the water's edge, Mosasaur is going to come out of the water and grab a, a Velociraptor the same way a killer whale comes onto the beach to grab a seal. I think Mosasaur is going to get, at least get one Velociraptor and then the other four are going to take off. And the T-Rexes are just going to get off the pier. So that's a very interesting fight, and I think that's kind of cool. All right, last one comes from Itamar. Who would win, Tyrannosaurus versus Maposaurus? Once again, love these brute fights. I like these a lot. These are very, very good. For the same reason that I think T-Rex could beat Giganotosaurus, I believe T-Rex could beat Maposaurus for the same reason, Itamar, and that is the bite force. Maposaurus's teeth are relatively thin, and it's made for cutting out chunks of meat. But during a fight where the other animal's fighting back, you can't always grab a mouthful of meat and rip it off and let it go. When the animal's fighting with you, sometimes you have to grab and hold on. And during the struggle, its teeth would break off more easily than the teeth of Tyrannosaurus rex. T-Rex's teeth are much more powerful, much more strong more stable. (coughs) Excuse me for coughing, everyone. So I believe that even though Maposaurus could land a couple of deadly bites, I don't think it's going to have the same opportunity to rip off a hunk of meat. Whereas if Tyrannosaurus Rex bites him, he's going to crunch bone. And that is going to end that fight pretty quickly. All right. One of the benefits of being a T-Rex member is if your name is drawn, you get to be interviewed. Well, I had the pleasure of interviewing somebody that's been a friend for a very long time. He is one of the senior members of the Tyrannosaurus Club, of the Patreon Club, and he's actually starting his own job teaching kids about dinosaurs, kind of doing what I've done in the past or what I do now. And Anthony is a very good friend. So I would like for you all to listen to this interview with my friend, and you can hear about some of the cool things Anthony is doing. Here we go.
you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus Club member. All right, the interview this time. I was very excited that my friend Anthony's name came up. Anthony is one of the senior members of the Dinosaur George Kids uh, Facebook group. Uh, I mean, not Facebook, uh, the uh, Patreon Club. Can't even get my facts straight, Anthony. And Anthony was one of the first people to join, and we became good friends. And he, he's, he's got his own business as well. But before we get into that, Anthony, how are you? Welcome. Hey, George, I'm <laughs> super excited to be here with you today. Uh, super pumped. Good. So let's talk first about you. Where is home for you? Awesome. Yeah, uh, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. So, you know, we have horses and buggies here, you know, all that kind of barns and everything. But no, realistically, <laughs> I'm in the biggest city right in the middle of the United States in Nebraska. Uh, we're the Cornhusker State. So that's where uh, I've been based at, born and raised, uh, never left. Nice. So tell me about your family. Uh, I've got a wonderful wife. Uh, we'll be married 10 years here Whoa! in June. And, uh, We've got two kids, uh, had one right out of high school, and then decided uh, some crazy theory to wait 10 more years and have the second one. Uh, but that's so brilliant. We, yeah, that... we all we, we went to college and got our careers going, and then we were right. ready to uh, finally have another one, and uh, they're super awesome. Cecilia is on a lot of your lessons, and uh, yep. Reagan roars like a dinosaur, and just I'm teaching her right. So, <laughs> But you know, it's brilliant to have that gap, because... Now Cecilia's old enough to help you take care of the little one. Yeah. So it was all planned. You don't have to act just like doesn't you like the diapers. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody yeah. does. So how long was it that you can remember back that you liked dinosaurs or paleontology? Gosh, uh, I can remember going to Lincoln. So Lincoln is the capital of Nebraska. My grandmother uh, lives down there. And she would take me to Morrill Hall. And now it's the University of Nebraska State Museum. Uh, and there they have Archie, which is the Colombian mammoth, uh, supposed to be the largest one in the entire world. Uh, found right here in Nebraska, down by like Nebraska City, some chickens were pecking at what the farmer thought was limestone. And he found the, uh, the Colombian mammoth. And now its name is Archie down there uh, in that museum. So I remember my grandma taking me down there. God, I was probably five, six years old. Uh, when she started taking me there, uh, she tells me stories. I would run into her house and look for the dinosaur book right away. Uh, and she's like, I wish I had that book so I could give it to you now uh, that you're doing this for a living. But uh, so that's probably when I first started uh, liking dinosaurs. And George, I was I was a kid in the 90s. So pop culture for dinosaurs just exploded with, you know, Land Before Time, the Jurassic Park franchise. So it was hard to be a little boy and not like yeah. dinosaurs. What did you think when you watched the first Jurassic Park, the first one you watched, whichever episode it was, what did you think when you saw that? I, I saw the first one. So it came out, what, 93? I probably didn't see it maybe till, you know, 95, 96. Uh, but, you know, that first scene when the guy, the Velociraptor quickly eats somebody uh, was crazy. Me and my little brother always laughed when the guy got eaten by the T-Rex when he was sitting on the toilet. So, uh, but great movie. Uh, and then I was at the peak of my childhood, about 13, when uh, 
Jurassic uh, Park 3 came out. So that's one of my favorites, even though everybody kind of dogs on that one. Uh, but that's the Spinosaurus. So that's right. probably why I like the Spinosaurus so much because of that third Jurassic Park film. See, I, I agree with you that, that first of all, I wasn't a fan of the second one. I like the I first. I like the third. So to me, when people get upset about the third, I'm like, it's the first good look at Spinosaurus. Yeah. And they made him huge. And they made him aquatic, which was kind of advanced for that time. Two legs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. That's right. So, yeah, I totally agree. I think they rag on that one too much. And I think it was great. So, uh, like most kids, most kids go through these phases, right? They really like dinosaurs. Then there's something else. Did you ever le- lose your love of dinosaurs? Yeah, it went away, you know, uh, middle school. I'm getting into wrestling, you know, cars, uh, sports, football. Uh, so, you know, I left dinosaurs, you know, uh, and it's sad when I think about it now, like, oh, what if I would have just kept with it the whole time? Uh, and it wasn't until I, uh, you know, the Jurassic World franchise came out uh, and it kind of do- dove me back into my childhood in the 90s. Uh, with the Jurassic Park franchise as a whole. Uh, so that's probably when I started coming back when those movies came out. Uh, you know, I got my Jeep, so I threw those decals on there, and then that's uh, where it all begins. Yeah. But you know what? It, it's a perfect example of people can go through phases of liking something and then not being as interested but coming back to it. I run into young people a lot who will come up and say, you know, I used to like dinosaurs, but now I like space, or now I like... Uh, animals. And I always tell them, listen, I love space. I love animals. They're just as important to me as dinosaurs. There's nothing wrong with, with finding interest in other things. So you're a shining example of somebody who loved them, kind of looked at other things and then came back to them again, which I think is cool. So I've got to put you on the spot. What is your favorite dinosaur? I tell all the kids that I love Spinosaurus the most. Spinosaurus is my all-time favorite if I had to pick one. But I love the herbivore dinosaurs. I love elephants, rhinos, buffalo, camels, uh, those types of animals today. Uh, And as a kid growing up, I always hated seeing the carnivores picking on the herbivores. I have always had a very kind heart uh, in that aspect. So I love the herbivores as a species as a whole. Uh, And I like the Spinosaurus. Right. And, and I agree that attention is always placed on the, on the theropods, on the, on the meat eating dinosaurs. And and I can understand why my favorites are those, but when you look at the variety of herbivore dinosaurs that existed or any prehistoric herbivore, first of all, there's 80% of dinosaurs were herbivores. Only 20% are carnivores, at least in the numbers that are found. Yeah. So some of the herbivores are, I started really, really liking all of the ankylosaurs and the armored dinosaurs. Oh, they're so I just cool. saw yesterday that they released a new one that has kind of like a, a weird like club, uh, some kind of ankylosaur. That's oh, pretty, cool. I didn't, gotta, I didn't see that. I got to find out what that is. That's too yeah, cool. He, does, he doesn't have a club. It's more of like a shield type looking Aztec thing. They were calling it. Oh, cool. Uh, like super cool. Oh, yeah, back to all the diversity in all those herbivore dinosaurs uh, is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, if people go out and dig for dinosaurs, they'd be amazed at how hard it is to find theropod material versus finding herbivores. So, you know, when you find 
hadrosaurs and ceratopsians they're the two most common fossils found because there was probably herds of tens of thousands of those. Most things. definitely. I know I was just telling a young uh, kid this last weekend, he was like, oh, why couldn't the, you know, if the herbivores started dying after they had no food to eat after the asteroid strike, the carnivores would have just started eating each other. I said, yeah, maybe some a little bit, but there's less uh, carnivores, you know, just like you said, the 80-20 split. So right. they would have been a lot harder for a T-Rex to find another T-Rex to eat. Right. Absolutely right. So. You were not, you, you came out of college and you didn't go straight into paleontology. What were you doing your previous job? Uh, so my career, uh, I went to UNO, Nebraska, Omaha for broadcasting. Uh, so I did broadcasting. I graduated from UNO, went straight to a television station in town and was doing entry level work uh, all throughout high school and college. I was working at a pizza hut. Uh, flipping pizzas. Uh, long story short, I ended up having to leave the television station after a year because of uh, they were moving news anchors around and uh, the broadcasting industry is just very cutthroat. They're always getting rid of people at the mid-level. Uh, so I went to Pizza Hut full-time, uh, became the general manager there, uh, and then I started getting more into marketing. So then that took me uh, to a couple other companies, the McCarthy Group Florist. I did their social media for the flower shops all across the country. Uh, even Caesars Entertainment. I worked at a casino for a little bit doing their direct mail pieces. Uh, and then that took me to Omaha Steaks, uh, where I am still currently at for now just the next couple of weeks. Uh, but when I first uh, got landed there, uh, that's where I found you. Oh, how cool. <laughs> well, first of all, I absolutely love Omaha Steaks. So here's a shout out to those guys. Now, you said you're only there for a little while. What exactly are you doing that would take you away from something as amazing as Omaha Steaks? And it is, uh, I love the brand. You know, I love uh, the company. I love everybody I work with. Uh, but three years ago when I got uh, hired, I was daydreaming and I was listening to Dinosaur George. And I was like, <laughs> man, I, gotta, I, got, I have to do something like this. Uh, so now three years later... Uh, I put in my notice respectfully. I put in my two week notice at the company I love, even offered to stay an extra month to help them out through the holidays because uh, it's super busy for Omaha Steaks at Christmas time. Right. Uh, so I'm uh, leaving Omaha Steaks, leaving the corporate life behind me, just like you did one day. And I'm taking the dinosaurs full time, the small business full time. How cool is that? Congratulations to you, Anthony. Now, if anybody is in or around Nebraska, um, I want you, and of course, anywhere in the world, because you have a podcast, you have Patreon clubs, you have your website, um, uh, uh, your social media site. And so let's talk about your business. Tell us about Stomp, Chomp, and Roar. Awesome. Well, we provide prehistoric themed education. So that's number one, education and entertainment. Uh, so we really try to educate the youth uh, all about prehistoric life, uh, everything from dinosaurs, Permian period creatures, uh, even the flying uh, reptiles of the Mesozoic era that aren't real dinosaurs. <laughs> Kids are always so surprised when they find that one out. Even the Mosasaurs, you know. Uh, but, you know, we provide the prehistoric themed education entertainment uh, for anything. You know, I started off doing birthday parties back in uh the fall of 2019, I did my first birthday party. I only had one birthday party package. 
uh, and then COVID happened. Uh, so I instantly had to start evolving the company, just like the dinosaurs evolved all throughout the Mesozoic era. I had to change the company a little bit, started doing more virtual stuff. Uh, like you said, Patreon Club, we have the three tiers. Uh, my podcast is called the Dinosaur Review for Kids. That's where I pick a dinosaur species each, uh, each week, and I review it on a scale of one to t uh, ten stars, but I call them fossils. Uh, and then the 10th episode, we do an episode called the Prehistoric Cage Match. So that's when we take the top two dinosaur species from the previous nine episodes, and we let them battle one-on-one -on -one in the Prehistoric Cage Match. Uh, so we started doing all that virtual stuff, like you mentioned. And then uh, this last summer, as the pandemic started winding down a little bit, daycares, elementary school classrooms, preschools, they were super interested uh, and that's, it just snowballed, kept snowballing to there. And now I find I love going into the classrooms the most. You know, I love doing all aspects of the job, uh, but the discussion, the dialogue that the classrooms have, uh, you know, they're able to ask questions and we go off on all different tangents of the Mesozoic era and prehistoric life. Uh, so it's just been tons of fun. I can't, you know, I remember... Two, two or three years ago, do, listening to a podcast you did, uh, you did a podcast on your OG podcast about making money with the dinosaurs. Right. Uh, and I was, my, I mentioned uh, my daughter, Reagan. She's my two-year-old now. Uh, but the day after she was born, I listened to your podcast and uh, you were talking about ways to make money uh, with dinosaurs without going to school, you know, because, you know, you can do anything, you know, do what your dreams, what you dream about and, uh, you know, I went to school for broadcasting, and now here I am doing work with dinosaurs uh, and teaching kids about dinosaurs. So, you know, I listened to that podcast you did about me a couple of years ago, and I just was so blessed uh, to have uh, that you noticed me, you know. <laughs> and then uh, last year, you know, we did our first Zoom lesson together on your Patreon, and uh, it's been, you know, I always tell everybody this. I don't know if you would feel the same, but uh, I'm like, oh, my my mentor, sort of dinosaur George. He's down in Texas, you know. He always gives me good ideas and uh, has always been very helpful. Even though, you know, you would think maybe I'm kind of competition a little bit, uh, but uh, it's been tons of fun, and uh, I can't wait to see where it goes over the next over my lifetime. You know. Well, I want to tell you, Anthony, I'm incredibly proud of seeing you follow your dreams, and I'm glad I played a little part of that. A lot of your success is your enthusiasm, and I know everybody listening to this podcast can hear it. I listened to a couple of your podcasts, which are very good, very direct, excellent. And, and for anyone out there, tell me the name of your podcast again. It's called The Dinosaur Review for Kids. So Dino, The Dinosaur Review for Kids is a great podcast, and everybody, I want you all to go listen to it and uh, join Anthony's Patreon Club. Help support him. Because people yeah, like we Anthony, just our, uh, we just, uh, I used to just have the one tier uh, when I started it and did it for the last six months. And now we've gone to three tiers nice. where you can join the Triassic squad, the fossil hunters or the Raptor pack. Nice. Excellent. So it's, it'd be a great thing to do. And you know, Anthony, you're filling a, a void that exists between paleontology and the public. Most paleontologists don't have time or they're not interested in the outreach that you're doing. So by going into the classrooms, by going into daycares, by going to birthday parties, you have no idea who you are going to encourage 
to follow in your footsteps and become a paleontologist. To me, the greatest success of all is for a young person to come up and say, I'm a paleontologist because of you, which is a great feeling. And I know you're going to have thousands of those in your career. So it's Stomp, Chomp, or Roar. Now, they can also find you on Facebook, right? Yeah, Facebook, just Stomp, Chomp, Roar again uh, for all my social media handles. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I just downloaded the TikTok, so I'm going to try and get into that a little bit. Nice. uh, And see how that goes. Nice. So for people living in or around Omaha, um, birthday parties, you guys, you know, people are always looking for things to do on birthday parties. You can actually hire Anthony to come in bring his replicas, bring his fossils, bring his cool stuff and his knowledge and his fun. You can do that if you are at a school or a daycare or anything in or around that area. You can contact him and, and you can reach him through Stomp, Chomp, and Roar, which is his his handle. Like he said, you can find him on Facebook, which is the easiest way. And then uh, while you're there, you want to find out about becoming a Patreon member and joining his club and being a part of the stuff that's happening very enthusiastic for you and very proud of of watching you take that step from one career into this new career. And all I can tell you is I can't think of anybody better to be successful than you are. And I'm very, very happy, uh, Dinosaur Ranger Anthony, which he goes by Dinosaur Ranger Anthony in his business. I'm very happy for you, and I hope things are going to be amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much, George. I, I do really appreciate it. Yeah. So, um, something else now on your Facebook page, you periodically do some live lessons, don't you? Or live broadcast? Yeah. You know, I, after I did the Patreon club, I, that went down a little bit, uh, but I still just did one, uh, last on Thanksgiving, we did a dinosaur toy parade, uh, for a lot of kids, uh, you know, cause we see the Macy's day parade and I still love that one, but Every, every year, it seems like there's less balloons and more uh, of the dancers and the singers. Uh, so I wanted to do something right here in the science lab that I'm in. And I had a lot of my toys uh, come across the, the stage. And I talked about each of them a little bit as they went by. So uh, oh, I had a lot cool. of it's super awesome when you get, you know, moms uh, sending you messages and they're like, oh, my son's watched it three times already today. You know, <laughs> it, it just, you know, it really makes your heart melt and you know that you're doing the right thing. Well, you are doing the right thing. And all I can say is I, I cannot, I, I don't know of anybody I would feel more comfortable recommending to all of my listeners as a great resource, a very kind man, very enthusiastic and very knowledgeable person in paleontology. And you have a great way of communication. And I saw pictures you posted of, of a school you just visited a day or two ago, right? And the looks on the kids' faces were great, man. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. We went down to Lothrop Elementary, uh, so quick shout out to them. But uh, we just had tons of fun down there, and it it reminded me a little bit of a story that I've heard you tell before about you know going into kind of the inner uh, city neighborhoods where you know they don't get very much of the cool stuff, uh, and a lot of people would be maybe afraid to go into the more poor areas of town. Uh, and I went down there, and you know. It really makes me happy when not only the students are uh, amazed, but even the teachers stand up and they're like, oh, my God, you know, that was totally awesome. You know, and it's like, you know, yeah, you know, I have so much fun doing it. And, uh, you know, I just it's it's crazy. Well, it it shows it absolutely shows. 
Well, I want to tell everybody again to find out about Dinosaur Ranger Anthony and Stomp, Chomp, and Roar, his company, which he's going full-time with it. Um, I definitely want you, if you live in or around the Nebraska, uh, certainly um, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, but anywhere I would imagine in Nebraska, if you are with a school, um, you know, contact him, have him come in and talk to a class or have him talk to, to the entire grade or whatever you'd like to do. And if you would like a birthday party and you live around that area, that's the man to call because I guarantee you it's going to be a great time. Dinosaur Ranger Anthony, one more time, tell us where everybody can find you. You can go to stompchomproar.com to find all my packages. Uh, everything's on there. You can find links to anything like my uh, podcast, The Dinosaur Review for Kids, or the Patreon Club, which is just Stomp Chomp Roar. Nice. So everybody listening, I want you all to know that Dinosaur Ranger Anthony is a perfect example of somebody that can take a love of dinosaurs and turn it into a career. Yes, going to school would be the best route. It's a very important thing, but I want you to know that there's so many opportunities in paleontology, and here we have a shining example. So Dinosaur Ranger Anthony, we have... I think 187,000 downloads of this podcast. So there are going to be children all over the world listening to you. What would you like to say to the kids all over the world? I just got to say to everybody that don't let anyone hold your back and you got to, you got to live out your dreams because we only live once. And uh, I did, you know, I do recommend going to college. You know, I have a degree in broadcasting, but uh, just because I have a degree in uh, broadcasting doesn't mean that I don't have to go and do some kind of field in geology or paleontology or dinosaurs. Uh, So, you know, just, uh, you know, let your imagination shine and, you know, do what uh, makes you happy every day. Man, I sure appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking time to visit. Thank you, George. All right. That was my friend, Anthony. And I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. I do have a project for you if you'd like a project. If you are a Patreon Club member, I'd love to have you send me a message about what you think about Nano Tyrannus. Do you think it's going to be its own species? Do you think they're going to decide it is just a juvenile T-Rex? I know it's hard to guess because you don't have all the evidence, but I would just like your opinion. Also, if you follow me on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, I'd like your opinion as well. Do you think Nano Tyrannus will become a legitimate dinosaur? Or do you think they will find out it's just a young Tyrannosaurus Rex? Whatever the case is, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. I will probably have time to do one more podcast before now in Christmas. And uh, so I will try to get them out as quickly as I can. Have a great day, everybody. If for some reason I don't have another podcast, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays to you all. Be safe. Be kind. Speak kindly to people. Let your friends know that they're important to you. Tell your parents how much you love them. That's very important, too. Your parents do so much for you, but sometimes we forget to tell them what they mean to us, and they need to hear it, too. And if you're five years old and you're driving the car while your parents are in the back seat sleeping, wake them up and tell them to change spots with you 
You're not supposed to be driving. See you guys. Have a great day. Listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah. Yeah.